I got some good news for you. Everybody need some good news this morning? All right, all right. So we've been taking a uh, a donation drive for the fire relief stuff. Yeah, the the campfire up there in Paradise, where so many of our loved ones, right, have have lost homes. They've had their whole lives disrupted. Um, we also have had some that have lost their own lives uh, up at the fire. And so that was something that moved upon our hearts just like it did last year at this time with the Santa Rosa fires. And so we decided to say, hey, let's pull some money together and see if we can't uh, partner with some boots on the ground up there and help them in some of their different pieces like transitional housing out of some of those uh, temporary facilities, the shelters and things like that. So here's kind of what we did. We said... We're going to take one weekend and we can have people give online. We can have you give here in service or uh, we can have you give gift cards or cash, things like that. So I wanted to kind of give you back the answer as to how it went. And it all centers, in my opinion, around one picture. Can we just throw that picture up on the screen? I want you to notice a couple things about this picture. First of all, there is somebody named Brody, which I'm hoping is young. Uh, either that or you got to work on your penmanship. All right. Uh, Brody said for the fire victims, he wanted to give us $6. Now you also see that there's a red 26 circled. All right. You can pull that, that picture down. Here's why that's so important to me that Brody heard that there was a problem with some people that struggled with losing things in a fire. Now, I don't think Brody has a full concept of everything that was going on, but what he did realize is that he had $6. And he was going to give that $6. I would imagine that to a young man, six bucks is a ton of money. And the idea that you would give that to somebody else that you don't even know is a big deal to me. This is the spirit of generosity. This is really the heart of what I am hoping for all of Bridgeway would be this right there. Now, here's what's kind of fun about it. The 26 with a red mark around it is how much money actually came in. Uh, meaning from that envelope. Now, here's the funny thing. Either Brody needs to be doing all of our tithing because that is a (laughs) massive upgrade, right? Like he gives six bucks. Jesus goes, ah, 26, right? That would be sweet. Or what is likely is that maybe mom threw in an extra 20 in there and opened up his envelope and put in 20, right? But 26 came in. Now, what Brody did not understand either is how much we would partner with him in order to do this type of giving. So we said gift cards or cash. So let me give you the final numbers as of right now. Uh, 17 gift cards came in for about 450 bucks. Um, we then received notice from the Roseville Firefighters Association that they locally said, we want to give through an organization that is trusted they wrote a check for 5,000 bucks to give through Bridgeway just to go. Isn't that awesome? For our community to trust us enough to say, I think it's going to go to the right people if we give it through this organization. Uh, that's pretty amazing. So once again, huge honor to them. So now we have Brody's six bucks, his mom's 20 bucks, the, uh, the gift cards, and then we had Roseville Firefighters Association, all right? Now, as a congregation, as of Monday the 26th, online giving was 47326 bucks. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord, yeah? Now, if you want to add that as to Monday in service, giving was $56,197. Yeah, praise the Lord. As of right now, the total, the total that is going to be going to fire victims is $111,833. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So this is the key, right? Brody doesn't know that his six bucks is going to partner with somebody else's 20 bucks. It's going to partner with somebody's 30 bucks or somebody's $2,000. That he does not realize that his loaves and fishes to sow that in would be collected along with all the other members of the body. And we would end up having something as extraordinary as $111,000 to go minister to people that we may never know. Why? Because Jesus loves them so much. He heard their 
cries of help and moved his other kids to make sure that they were taken care of. You understand what I'm talking about? This is what we do. That it is so critical that as we talk about being a community on mission, it's very important that we realize that we are partnering to be part of something greater. That I don't think many of us could have written a check for 111 grand on our own. But that's not the point. We are not alone. We are part of a family. We're part of a collective of believers that says, I'll partner with you and together we can bring significant change to the world. I want you to always have that in mind that we are in this together and that we are doing extraordinary things. Now that also reminds me that I know it's busy in the Christmas season and I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but we need to commit to being here. If you would not have been here on that weekend that we did the drive, you would not have been able to partner in something as extraordinary as that. It is very important that we are committed to being together. There are things that are happening every weekend in this building that we may look at as magical. Obviously, I would just say that is the presence of the Holy Spirit moving around through our hallways. There are people being touched and blessed and ministered to and healed just by being together and letting God bless them, yeah? So a couple other things I want to share with you is that there's another opportunity to give, and I want to highlight once again your generosity, Uh, I received back news that last week in the lobby, we had our Bridgeway Angels out there. Y'all remember that? So the Bridgeway Angels is kind of special to me because I'm I'm really kind of partial to loving on children because I feel like they're the ones that need to be protected the most, right? So Bridgeway Angels is our prison and jail ministry where there is an incarcerated parent but there are kiddos that don't get to have that parent this Christmas. And so what we do is we partner with that family and we end up buying them gifts on behalf of their parent, if that makes any sense, right? So it's kind of bringing the family together. It's blessing people. Well, I just want you to know that this year we set a new record for us, and that was that we had 138 names out on the trees for 138 children. Saturday night at four, we had it out there. Saturday night at six, we had it out there. After this service of the nine o'clock Sunday morning, all the names were gone. We actually had to pull some out. Yeah, how awesome is that, right? We've had to reload more kids because the 11 o'clock didn't even get to have a chance to be able to bless any of the children, right? You little piggies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these were my children, right? Okay, great. So we actually had to bring more. And so we're bringing out a number of other children that have been kind of on a waiting list that we wanted to be able to bless. And they are now also available to sponsor for this Christmas season. But wow. 138 and we couldn't even get through all of our services. I'm just saying that that's the generosity that you all do. There's a lot of areas to give. I want to just highlight one more area that is particular to a certain group. And that is there are some of you that for financial reasons, you need end of the year giving. And it's because for tax purposes and things like that. So you're always looking where should we give? So last year, We ended up having a beautification project since we were still newer to the building. We were trying to get everything set up and ready to go. And so our end of the year giving went to a beautification project for the courtyard. And you're like, wow, that didn't go very well. Some of you are like, well, it looks beautiful right now. I'm not sure why we're messing with it. Well, here's the thing. When we began to do the analysis, we wanted to make sure that we didn't do anything wrong. We wanted to make sure that we were good stewards with that money. As a matter of fact, $78,000 came in last year for the beautification because what we have a dream for the courtyard is it for not just to be pretty. We want it to be multi-use. We want it to be designed in a place where kids can go out there and play and parents feel safe about it. We want it to be a place where we can set up and have power outlets out there, where we can put on little events, we can do baptisms out there easier, we can do this, we can do that, right? So we wanted to restructure it and make it a little bit more accessible 
and a lot more for community. So we said, we don't want to waste any money. So we're going to hire and make sure we can do what we dream we can do. So all we've used of that money last year was $4,000 in plans and designs and all the orchestration to make sure that what we dreamed was a reality. We will be putting out foam boards in the coming weeks into our lobby for you to be able to see the entire vision of the redesign of having all that. So having said that, all the money you gave last time is still waiting for it to be added with this year's giving so we can start phase one, move into phase two, and then go to phase three, right? Now, but that's not it. In January, I'm going to be launching the Bless Campaign. The Bless Campaign is something very precious on my heart, and it's been in my heart for the last three years. And here's what it is. How many of you were with us before we made the move to this location? Raise your hand. All right. A great amount of you. You guys, before we moved, we didn't have neighbors. We didn't have anybody that had a home anywhere near our church. It was light industrial, right? And so we didn't know any neighborhoods to reach out to. So for the last three years, I've been super fired up that we have people that live right there across the street, right? The blessed campaign is that we are going to adopt all 788 houses across the street from us. If you take Pleasant Grove and go all the way around to Top Golf, that pie piece right there is 788 homes. In my opinion, those are now marked for Jesus. Therefore, in January, I will be launching out the strategic plan to go over and just love on that entire neighborhood and just say, how can we bless you? How can we care for you? What can we do for you? And we're going to have it done very, very well. So anything that is given for end of the year, 50% of this year is going to go into the beautification plan, the other 50% is going to go directly to outreach, right? So that we can go love on them. So if you need to uh, go ahead and give in that way, make sure that you always mark it out on that check or whatever you do, end of year giving. That is a separate account. If you give online or you want to do it through your app, right? It is bless BCC because it's a bless campaign. Bless Bridgeway Christian Church, bless BCC at 77977. All right, if you have any ideas about you would love to be part of the team that is going to be ministering to that area, you can also reach out to my assistant, Amanda Beck, and say, hey, I have a couple things I would love to help out in leadership as we get it organized, but make no mistake, everybody's going to be involved in this. We are going to prayer walk that place. We're gonna make sure that they are loved on more than ever because we wanna be the presence of Jesus Christ in this area. Amen? Amen. All right. Good, good, good. Take out your Bibles. Let's get started in the Word of God. We are in part 13 of a 14-part series through the book of 1 John. So we just have this weekend and then we close up next weekend. I'll be there with you as well. We entitled this series Community on Mission and today's message is The Key to Life. I'm going to draw your attention to the fill in the blank with just couple thoughts. And it really begins with this. Do you realize that Jesus changes everything? Yeah. I mean, we sing that song. Do you believe that? And even more than believing that, are you living that? And what I mean by that is that does Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, do they have full access to your life? Do they get a chance to be involved in every room of the home of your heart? Do you have certain areas that you have blocked off and said, you cannot go in this area, you cannot bother me at this time, you cannot be a part of this part of my life? You see, because either he is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Y'all heard that phrase before, right? So I had this challenge once again. I have it challenged all the time in my life about does Jesus have access? Does the Holy Spirit have access to call on me at any moment? So I want to share a brief story with you. I was hanging out at my secret coffee shop. I have a secret coffee shop. That just merely means I don't post about it, right? So I have a secret coffee shop where I can get some stuff done, where I can run and hide, right? So I was at my hiding coffee shop and I had my laptop open and I was working on the sermon. Now, the reason I have a secret coffee shop is so I will not be bothered. 
Now, as I'm sitting there, there's tremendous amounts of seats open. However, I have the squishy chair. Next to me is the squishy couch. So instead of sitting anywhere else in the area, I had a man come and sit down right next to me. Now, there's lots of other places to sit, but he felt cozy, I guess. So he decided to sit right next to me. And as I was doing my work, I began to realize he's talking to himself. Now, that is a bit unsettling in any language. However, he was speaking in a different language. And so I was like, wow, either he has immigrated into America or we have a demon issue because this is really weird. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but he's having a dialogue with someone or something going on. And I don't know what it is. Now, praise the Lord. I found out that he merely is bilingual. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, as I'm sitting there doing my work, obviously the Holy Spirit begins to tap my shoulder. Hey, you know, there's a dude sitting right here. Hey, any any chance that you may want to bless him, maybe talk to him, maybe want to kind of do anything Christian here? (laughs) So I reminded him I'm writing a sermon, (laughs) right? And I, I, I notified him that if I do not finish this, people will know, right? A bunch of people are going to know that I didn't finish. So as I'm sitting, I'm more and more uncomfortable, right? Because the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, so um, anyway, you can all just talk about it or you can do something, right? I mean, he's just agitating and poking me the whole time. And I'm like, all right, Lord, if you want to do anything, isn't this what we all do? Like we're praying, like if there's anything I can do, Lord, you need to make it obvious. And you can just kind of, and the Holy Spirit's like, so you need me to make this dude do everything. Is that what you're telling me? Just to get your attention. I thought you were the light right on a hill. I thought you were the salt of the earth. I didn't think he was, but all right. And sure enough, as I'm sitting there still not doing anything, he leans over to me and he goes, excuse me, can you take my picture? which is not normally how I meet people. I thought that was odd since we're all just by ourselves and he stood up against the wall. So it wasn't like it was, hey, I'm at a coffee shop. It was like, I'm in front of a wall. It was just very, it was very odd. And so I I said, uh, I knew right then that the Holy Spirit's like, fine, I'll do it another way. And so when I finished taking his picture, he sits down and he goes, so what kind of computer do you got? And it was like, this guy's straining just to connect. And I was like, I am being such a jerk right now. And so I shut my laptop. I was like, Holy Spirit, I finally got the clue. And I began to have a conversation with him over the next 50 minutes. Now, what I learned as this man began to share with me is that he's from Croatia. I began to realize that he talked about the fact that he has OCD, that he recently had a divorce that he used to be bullied and that's why he ended up getting into boxing because he wanted to learn how to defend himself, that he's been taken advantage of in a whole bunch of different ways. As I was listening to this man and just hearing his heart, he was so articulate and so intelligent that I stopped him in the middle of it and I knew that this is weird for him because I'm not his pastor. I do this stuff with you all the time and it's normal. But when I do it with other people, it's just weird to them. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. I said, hey, can I stop you real quick? I said, I just need you to know from one guy to another. And you are really intelligent and you are really articulate. And I just want you to know that. Because what I was hearing in my spirit was a man that has not been affirmed a whole lot in his life. That whether it was from a marriage or it was from his parents or whatever. And I just said, I just need you to know that another man, not, it doesn't always have to come from women. But another man can say, you have worth, you matter to me, and you matter to God. He ended up finding out, yep, I was a pastor, and we began to talk about the state of religion in the world and the state of religion in America. But the point is this. I had to put aside everything I was doing. Remember, I was there to hide. I had to put aside everything I was doing, and I needed to give him my full attention. He talked much more than I talked which is the right way to minister, right? Just listen and hear their heart. You see, the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this. Jesus lived and gives us life. Jesus lived and gives us life. 
Some of us are in the place where we just need to know that Jesus is real, but the rest of us need to learn that Jesus changes everything, not just the areas we want him to change, that he gets to go wherever he wants to go and motivate you to move anytime he wants you to move. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to open up this passage. Would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 6? 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. We've got to remember that any time we open up the Bible, usually we're opening up someone else's mail, right? So when you open someone else's mail, they already know what they're talking about. We have to do a little digging, a little context. To be honest with you, when I first read this passage, I was very confused. It's very confusing. And yet what I found was with a little research, the same research that y'all can do with a little bit of research, it became really obvious and very easy. So let me give you a little background and the rest of it will begin to open up. But let me share with you what it sounds like. First John chapter five, six through 12. You ready? We can read, read through this together. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Now, I would hope that you, like the rest of me, are going, huh? That, right? You just read that and you're like, yeah, I don't know what we're talking about little bit of background, all of a sudden, watch it open up right in front of you. It begins with this concept. John is a Jew. He is an ancient Jew. Now, even though Jews still think this way, for him, it was even more intense because of the era of history. You see, the Jewish mindset is things are only true if they are proven. And the best way to prove something is to prove it legally through a court system, through paperwork. How do we know this? Well, first of all, not only back then, but even now, genealogies are very important. You have to prove that you're a Jew. You can't just say, I'm Jewish. You got to prove through your lineage that you are legit. So for example, how many times have you been reading the Bible? And as you read through it, you hit a genealogy and you say, oh, shoot. Because now it's so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And at that point, you've already fallen asleep. Why are those in there? Because you're not legitimate unless you can prove it. So their genealogies prove that they are legitimate. In a court of law, the things are the same way. And it all centers around one particular passage in the Old Testament. I'm going to read it to you. It is Deuteronomy 19.15 says this, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. The Jewish way to prove something in court is to have a witness, to have someone testify that it's real that it's true and you can't just have one because they could be your buddy and they could be lying. You have to have two and what's better than two? Three. If you can have three in the courtroom to prove something, you're going to win your case. Pastor John has a church that just got rocked by a bunch of bogus false teachers telling them that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. And now he has to clean up the mess. But how is he ever going to prove that his opinion is more important than someone else's opinion? If you're a Jew, you prove it legally and you prove it with witnesses that will testify. That's what you're about to witness. You ready? We jump into that. First John chapter five, verse six. We'll just go through it and see if it doesn't become obvious. 
starts like this. This is he, Jesus Christ, who came by water and blood, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Well, that sounds so cryptic unless you know what they mean. What's the water? His baptism. What's the blood? Crucifixion. All right, let's read it again. This is Jesus who came both by his baptism and his crucifixion, not by the baptism only, but by the baptism and the crucifixion. Why would John have to say that unless someone was arguing otherwise, right? So now you have some bad guys coming in and they're saying, hey, Jesus was legit at his baptism, but he wasn't on the cross. And John's like, no, 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 no. That is incorrect. You see, I was his closest friend. I was the one that got a chance to be with him in his ministry from the beginning all the way through the end. Maybe you don't remember, but I was there at the foot of the cross. That I was the one with all the other women standing there that my Lord and Savior, as he's dying on the cross, tells me, hey, can you take care of mom for me? Because I have to go away. I watched over his mom. That's who I am. She lives in my house. So don't tell me you know who Jesus is and that you're going to mess with who Jesus said he was. Jesus was legitimate at his baptism. He was legitimate at the crucifixion. Now, why would anyone have an idea that Jesus was fully God in one area and not fully God in another? Here's why. Anybody remember that on the cross, Jesus had a famous phrase that said, my God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. There were some teachers that were coming in there that said the Holy Spirit of God came upon Jesus at his baptism, kept him legit, but on the cross, God doesn't die, so he bailed. So when Jesus died, he merely died as a man, not as the Son of God. Well, John's not going to have that. He's like, no, no, no. The very point that we have What forgiveness for our sins is that God came here and that he sacrificed himself that he might be our propitiation, right? He would be the one that turns wrath into friendship, that he would be the one that gives us forgiveness and grace. That is the story. So no, I'm not giving on that point and I will prove it to you. Ah, let's go to the next verse. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Now y'all have to remember that the Jews, this is very early in Christianity. They're still trying to figure out the Trinity. This whole idea, they're Jewish Christians and they're like, all right, I don't really understand this whole father, son, Holy Spirit thing. It's really new. I understand father. Now I'm not going to call him my father unless Jesus said it was okay. I know that there's the ancient of days, the the God, the big man upstairs. I know that there's the prime mover, the creator, the uncaused cause. I know that guy. Like our whole religion is based that there is that guy. And I know in the Old Testament that if God was ever going to do anything big in this world, he always did it through the power of his spirit. So Samson would have the spirit come upon him and he'd rip apart a lion or King David would have the Holy Spirit come upon him and he would lead our people or Solomon would have the Holy Spirit come upon him and he was wiser than any other man in the world. So I got two of them down. I know that there is the big dog father. I know that there is the Holy Spirit. I'm just questioning about the third guy, the Jesus guy. You see. Jesus just lived. They knew what town he was from. They knew he was from over there. And so they're like, that guy's God? Wait a second. Come on. Right? So they're struggling. But here's what John says. The spirit is the one who gave me this idea in the first place. And we can all agree, Jewish brothers and sisters, if I can prove to you that the Holy Spirit affirms it, y'all know that he's always right. Yeah? And everyone goes, yeah. So we move forward. Pick it up in verse seven. For there are three that testify. Why does he need three? Because in a court of law, two's good, three is better. Here we go. For there are three that testify, the Holy Spirit, the baptism, and the crucifixion. They all prove that Jesus is who he said he was. These three agree. All right, so let's go through this. 
Anybody remember my series that I did, also known as the Never Ending series? It's called Being Jesus. Anybody remember that? The 100-part series over two and a half years. Anybody remember the Being Jesus series? All right, good. I don't know how you missed that one. <laughs> In that series, I combined the four Gospels, and I did a combo account, right? So if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all spoke at the same time, the story would sound like that. I'm going to remind you those of those as I read through the story of the baptism of Jesus. All right, here's the combo account of what happened at Jesus's baptism. It says this, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you now come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, behold, immediately when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens were being torn open to him and he saw the Holy Spirit of God descending on him in bodily form like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. What's John's point? Y'all remember hearing the story of the baptism, yeah? There you have Jesus, who I am calling the Son of God. And he was affirmed and God gave testimony by what? The Father said it out loud. This is my Son. The Holy Spirit testified by what? Coming down out of heaven and dwelling upon him. Are you telling me that God is wrong? God confirmed it, that Jesus is who he said. Ah, you don't believe one witness. Let me give you another. Y'all remember how the cross went, right? I was there, John said. Jesus told me before I went to go see him at the crucifixion, he told me when we all hung out that when he would be lifted up, that the Father and the Holy Spirit would confirm that he was who he said he was. I remember having doubts, but I knew I could trust him. As a matter of fact, we had this weird scenario happen. We were all hanging out together one day, and a voice came from heaven. Jesus had said, Father, glorify your spirit through the cross. And this voice thundered from heaven and said, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Man, when we were there, some people were like, oh, it thundered. Other people said, no, it was the voice of an angel. But we knew that was the confirmation of God that Jesus was who he said he was and that he was going to prove it on the cross. So let me read to you what happened while Jesus was on the cross. It was now about the sixth hour as he hung there. And from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. Who has control over the sun? God. Who has control over light and dark? God. So what did he just do? He said, because of what is going on with my son, I'm taking the light out of this. And darkness began to creep over the land. Now, all the Jews knew that they knew an Old Testament story about the plagues on Egypt. They knew that's a move of God. What was he doing? Bringing in testimony. But there's more. After Jesus died, maybe you remember this. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top where God can reach down to the bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many who has power over life and death, but God alone. This is a confirmation. That is my son. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. I affirm it. 
by breaking open graves and letting people come out. And it turned not just the centurion's heart around, but the whole crowd knew God had moved. John said, I know I was there. The water, the blood. So how did the Holy Spirit testify? Do you realize that the Bible says that it was the Holy Spirit's power that raised Jesus from the dead? The whole resurrection was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's confirmation. But he didn't just stop there. Then he came upon the church at Pentecost. Flames of fire on their heads. The sound of rushing wind. Speaking in various tongues. Then all of a sudden the church begins to break out with miracles and signs and wonders that only God can do. Confirmation. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells believers and he's continually confirming. Every time you have the Holy Spirit and you hear me say that Jesus is the Son of God, your spirit says yes. Oh, he's constantly testifying. John said, there's three for you. How about that? He said, by the way, verse 9, if we receive the testimony of men, right? All these bogus teachers that came in and argued with me. If you're believing them, can we all agree that the testimony of God is greater? If I can prove to you that God did it, isn't that better than that dude? All right. This is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God, Jesus Christ, gets the Holy Spirit and the testimony is living inside you. Whoever does not believe God, well, you're just making him out to be a liar because you're not even believing the testimony God has given you concerning his son. And this is the final proof that God gave us eternal life. This life is only in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What's the ultimate testimony? The fact that God gave eternal life to mankind. Do you understand that eternal life is not merely what starts when you die? It starts at the moment of conversion. We are operating in eternal life right now. What does that mean? It's a quality of life. It's a difference. But understand that this quality of life is only given through one person. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What? No one comes to the Father but through me. You got one access point. If you ever wanted God to confirm that Jesus is the Son of God, your whole entire eternal life can only go through one person. That's confirmation, right? Has John made his point? Indeed he has. But I want to talk about this eternal life thing for a moment as we close out here. You see, here's what eternal life means. It means that the light came on inside your spirit. You see, there are many people living physical lives, but their spiritual lives have not been awakened. You're like, well, that sounds creepy and mystical. Oh, it is that the Bible says that when we get saved by Jesus, he lights a flame and the light comes on. You now have an awareness. You now have a connection to the heavenly father. When you pray, you are now not praying off into the air. You're praying direct to your father in heaven and he is listening. When you read the Bible, things are coming alive that can only be spiritually discerned. When you're walking through life, the Holy Spirit is speaking into your spirit, constantly directing you and telling you to do things like talk to somebody in the coffee shop. You see, eternal life is a quality where you begin to have the fruit of the Spirit awaken in you and you didn't even cause it. You begin to have patience you didn't used to have. You then have joy you didn't used to have. Your hopelessness turns into a brightness for your future. Why? Because you're believing that Jesus is who he said he is and that he has done what he said he has done and therefore you and I are alive forevermore. 
You begin to see the future different. You see the past different as he knits together and redeems your baggage. And you see today different because today is the day of the Lord. Amen? This is eternal life. Now, God has given us a quality of eternal life. He did all the heavy lifting. He did what he told Nicodemus was being born again, meaning having a brand new fresh start with a brand new fresh spirit with all of the yuck transferred to Jesus on the cross and all his righteousness transferred to us. He did all the important stuff. But there are some of us in this room that we haven't grown very much from the day we were saved. And that's where your local church comes in. That's where Bridgeway comes in. Why? We are here to try to agitate you towards growth. (laughs) Y'all, I'm just going to be real clear. Well, you are in a high challenge environment. It's how Bridgeway is designed. You come in here and we rattle your cage. You're going to hear things and you're going to have us do things and you're going to go, well, that really ticked me off. Maybe you needed to be ticked off. Why? Because we are not content with merely you saying, I have been saved and I will grow no further. We're always growing somewhere. What we do from this stage, what we do when we're worshiping, what we do when we're praying is we're always pressing towards saying there's more freedom, there's more authority, there's more power, there's more greatness in Jesus Christ. There is more of an identity that you can have. But there's things that we need to do to advance forward in growing. You are not earning your salvation. You are simply growing up to be mature. And there is a passage that I would like you to look at with me as we finish. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Found out last night that this is one of Bishop's favorite passages to preach on. And so I stole it and I'm preaching on it. Sorry, Bishop. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Very few passages are this blatant and clear about how to grow up in the Lord. Some of us need to grow up. It's not just about being saved anymore. It's about walking in strength. This passage, here we go. Ready? Verse 3. God's divine power has granted to us, His children, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, let's stop right there. Do we need or lack anything? No. Is everything we need to grow up and be mature and powerful presented to us? Yes. We don't have a resource problem, right? We have an acquiring problem. All right, so we have everything there. We get it through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and and excellence. Here we go, verse four, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. If you are saved, you are no longer merely human. You are now connected to God. Therefore, it's like you get married to Jesus and all of his resources are in your account. Right? Therefore, we have everything we need for life and godliness. We are now not merely human. We are extraordinary. And we now have the divine that God is imparting over and saying, you are a new creation. You're mine. What does that help us do? Look at the next line. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We no longer have to sin. We actually choose to sin. You see, if you don't have Jesus, you got no other option. You can only sin. But when we are saved and rescued, who the sun sets free will be free indeed. Yeah? yeah. All right, three people agree. <laughs> Verse 5, here we go. Verse 5. For this very reason that God has done this extraordinary work, make every effort to supplement your faith. What's faith? 
You see, one of the greatest things I've ever heard in recent years was that faith is rebelieving every day. You see, as a Christian, you can't just, oh, I believe in the Son of God once. No, it's a continuous action. Right? So, for example, if I said the phrase poetically, because your heart beats, you are alive. Well, it didn't just beat once. It's got to keep going. In the same way, every day, you as a Christian wake up every morning and you re-believe. And you say, I trust Jesus, that he is who he said he is. And he does what he says he does. That's faith. He said, all right, he did the heavy lifting. He gave you the ability to believe and re-believe in him every day. But we have some stuff we need to work on. Here we go. Let's go through this ladder. Add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? That's the important stuff like love and hope and joy. You need to start lifting your mind into noble things and not just think about what's going on in this world. We need to get our heads into a new place. Add to that knowledge. You need to actually put a little effort into figuring out why you believe what you believe. This is why we go to church as well, that you're learning more about the one you love the most. Add to it knowledge. But with your knowledge, we need to add self-control. Why? Because you can think rightly and still not live rightly. So we not only need to learn what to do, we actually need to carry it out through self-control. Add to your self-control steadfastness. Why? Because you can do it great once, but I need you to do it great over and over. That's faithfulness, right? Keep going. We work on that. Add to that godliness. What is godliness? It's doing stuff God would do. Y'all, that's what he was pinging me about in that coffee shop. Hey, you know what I'd do if I was here, Lance? I wouldn't just order the latte and sit there and hide. What I would do is hang out with other people and listen to their story and talk to them and be life-giving. So you know what you should do? Add to our godliness brotherly affection. What does that mean? You need to start having compassion and a heart for other people. Where are the feelings? Stir up your feelings. Well, we're not done yet. Add to those feelings love. You go, I thought love were the feelings. Ah, no. Add to the feelings the literal action of loving on someone. Do something about it. Now look how powerful this is. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is who he said he was. If you have the son, you have eternal life. You don't get to pick which member of the Trinity you want to only be partners with. It's a package deal. There are some of us who come from very conservative backgrounds. We love the liturgical side. We love the high church. We love the distant father concept and respect. So we hang out with the father and we ditch the other two. There's some of us that are from the Jesus-obsessed crew, which I tend to be, sorry. Uh, the Jesus-obsessed crew, that's the, I'm going to live it out and, I, and I'm all about Uh, teaching and good thoughts and treating people nicely. That's great, but you don't get to lose the Holy Spirit and the Father. Then there's some of us that come from a charismatic background and we're all fired up about the Holy Spirit, but we won't do anything to balance out the love of the Father and the lifestyle that goes with it in Jesus Christ. You see, it's a package deal. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So as we close, can we have the prayer team come on up here? There's two questions for me to ask us as we wrap. And that is this. Do you have eternal life? Is there evidence? 
Not are you doing everything right? Come on. But is there an aliveness in your spirit? Is the flame on? Is the pilot light lit? Right? So for some of us, today's the day of salvation. For the rest of us, here's the question for you. What doors have you locked him out of? What areas is he still not allowed to be in? What things have you said that is not forgiven, you can't go there? Have you told him what locations he can go? God, I don't want you at school with me. That's a place for intellectual discussion. And there we believe X. Have you told him they can't come to work with you? Because for you, in order to move forward, you got to kind of cut some corners and that just makes it uncomfortable. Have you told him that he can't hang out with your friends because they'd never understand him? Where have you told God he can and cannot go? And maybe today is the day to give him the key to that door. Yeah? Let's close in prayer and then the altar will be open and anointed for all of your needs today, including this. If you receive Jesus for the first time, they are more than willing to pray with you, love on you, encourage you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You have done all things that are necessary that we might have life. And right now, would You put Your angels at guard to allow us to have special time with You alone? That God, that You would minimize distractions, that You would cancel assignments of the enemy, that You would allow us for a moment to hear from You. And in that listening, here's what we want to offer to you. God, is there an area of our life that is not giving you access? There are some of us in this room, Lord, that have said, that is the whole of my life. I still live for me and me alone. God, would your love sweep them off their feet? They would be caught up to say, I want a Savior. I believe you, Jesus. I own who I have become and I need you to transform me. I am willingly admitting I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. God, as you transform their lives, would you turn that light on in the name of Jesus? God, for the rest of us, as we have compartmentalized our Christianity, we ask that you would make it more holistic and start to break down those barriers. Would you begin to show us how we walk with you at all times, how Holy Spirit, you were trying to whisper to us at all moments that, Lord, that we would have one ear attuned to you and one ear attuned to those around us that need us? That, God, that we would have confidence and faith in you that wherever we go, we are moving the kingdom forward. That we are walking underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. That we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. That we are walking in your authority. Lord, begin to quicken our spirits and excite us once again. Show us the awe of actually living the life that you bought. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.